I'm Stacy Tamaki, and this is The Origami Show. Are you paper curious? If you're always scanning the horizon for origami-centric people, paper shops, events, stories, and ideas, you'll find them right here. The mission of this podcast is to encourage and support your paper-folding creativity. Welcome to The Origami Show. What are the qualities of a great origami book? And have you ever wanted to publish a book? And if you're wondering how some of us have found ways to work in the origami industry, stay tuned because Sarah Williams and I will be answering these questions and more. And after the interview, I'll share how you can participate in an origami movement to take a stand against this terrible anti-AAPI, which stands for Asian American Pacific Islander, hate that's been sweeping the United States from coast to coast. This episode is brought to you by the Origami Show sponsor, Ito Company, your brand for origami and traditional Japanese paper products. Available at art supply and craft retail shops nationwide and online. With over 20 years of experience, Ito Company offers the largest selection of Japanese origami papers in the United States. Today, I'd like to introduce you to the team at Fold Space Origami Studio in Oberlin, Ohio. I met James Ward Peak at an origami convention I attended in 2019, then saw him again six months later in January of 2020 at a very small folding get-together with some mutual friends. James is the founder of Fold Space Origami Studio. He's also an educator and uses the studio as both his personal workspace and as a lesson space for teaching origami to his students. His resume is vast and impressive. He's not joining us today, but has graciously agreed to be a regular guest on the podcast with a little feature we've put together. So I'll be chatting him up in future episodes. And when we do, we'll do a deep dive about James at a later date. But he is integral to today's story. So I wanted to introduce you to him. Sarah Williams collaborated with James on a major project last year that we'll be talking about shortly. That experience created the foundation for Sarah to become part of the Fold Space Origami Studio as a collaborator as the studio's mission evolves. She worked for Microsoft and Google with experience in media, hardware, software, and service design, as well as print and visual design Sarah has a skill set that makes my head spin. She brings a lot of talent to the table. She and I both went to our first origami conventions in 2019, so we're both late bloomers. Then we met in January of last year at the gathering that I mentioned. We bonded over folding elephants and dragonflies and having breakfast together. It was a lot of fun. If you visit Sarah's Instagram page, at Hey It's Origami, you'll see she folds everything from miniatures to advanced models that blow me away. So a quick backstory is that Sarah and James met in 2019 at the Pacific Coast Origami USA Conference, which is affectionately known by its acronym PEACOCK. If you didn't know that before, now you can feel like a legit seasoned origamist when you hear people talking about it and actually know what they mean, which I didn't after I first heard the term. <laughs> In September of 2020, James and Sarah invited 14 designers who, quite frankly, I was in awe to be folding alongside of, 
and little old me to work together teaching live stream classes at the inaugural Fold Space Origami Convention. The convention was outstanding simply because James and Sarah went the extra mile. They set the bar very high, asking us as instructors to use two cameras, one on our face as we spoke to the audience, and a desktop camera on our hands simultaneously for the length of our teaching sessions. Mine was two hours long. On top of that, they asked us to diagram our models and show each step-by-step diagram in the corner on screen as we taught our models in real time. Their attention to details and the fearless way they took on the production of this event was really impressive. And it showed me that they share complementary high standards, which makes them a perfect team for collaboration. And I'm quite certain that quality is going to serve them well as they produce future projects together. Sarah took the lead on creating the convention book that we'll be talking about. It contains all of the models that were taught during the convention and a couple bonus designs. Today, I've invited Sarah to tell us more about the book, paper, and her somewhat unconventional origami life. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Hi, Stacy. Thank you, and thanks for having me. Oh, I'm so excited to talk to you about this project. Now, I know you've been folding since childhood, but I can't imagine that Sarah, at six years old, ever thought she'd someday leave the fast-paced world of high-tech to become one half of the origami dynamic duo of the Midwest, (laughs) which I I just made that up, but you can use it if you want to. I love it. Um, Yeah, I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you guys could be like origami superheroes and have matching t-shirts or something to hold space. I would love that. I might have to design those. So my first question is about the official Fold Space Origami Convention 2020 Model Diagrams book, which has the 18 models that were included in the convention itself. And I'm wondering which skill levels would you say the convention book is designed for? Oh boy. Well, I think our book really tried to target beginners and people that were interested in sort of growing their the origami skill from beginner to the next level. So I guess that's sort of how I view it. I think we have some fairly complex things in there that would challenge a folder. Like Robbie Kraft's Walrus is a pretty challenging fold from the book. Um, But when you pair it with the video, it enables hopefully a variety of levels of folders to complete it. And where is the video? The videos are available for purchase on Crowdcast. And once you've purchased those, you can actually view them anytime in perpetuity. So they're they're like there for you at any time to rewatch. So people can purchase the video access on Crowdcast and I'll get the information from you about that later and put it in the show notes so that people can go check that out if they wanted to in addition to, or I guess in place of the book itself. Yeah. Uh, if they have hours, like three days to watch, <laughs> watch the convention online, but that's great. I, I think that's wonderful. You still have it available for people as an option. Yeah. Um, yeah, because my impression was that the book has a very nice range from beginner level to more complex, not a lot, but quite a few complex models for people to work up to uh, someday. So from a folder standpoint, I loved the specificity that you included recommending different paper types, 
which I already know will introduce probably a lot of folders to new papers that they didn't even know existed. And to name drop a few of them in the book, you mentioned Tissue Foil, Duo Tie, Washi Deluxe, Taunt, Pattern Duo Mandarin, and Biotape. And I'll admit, I hadn't heard of all of those before I saw them in the book. So I think that's great. And what are your favorite kinds of papers that you typically fold? Wow. Yeah, that's a really good question because I I pretty much, I have some loves that I try folding things with even when I know I probably shouldn't. So the duo tie is such a, um, for me, one of my favorite papers. It's very special because, you know, it's kind of expensive. So I don't want to use it all the time. But when I do use it, I know that it has such a nice quality and it's very malleable in a way that like I kind of feel like I can almost get it to do what I want no matter what and then the fact that it has like such a contrast in color and then the texture so that would be one of my actual favorites simply because of its color and texture and how the end result can be like fur or just create kind of this bit of attention to the model um and I think then second thing I fold with a lot is taunt. I just, I can't get enough of it. The thickness of taunt is like somewhere in the middle. You know, it's a lot thinner than like a, a duo tie and it's a lot thicker than a kami, but it gives model structure that sometimes I feel like kami doesn't have unless it's like fairly layered or the model isn't too heavy at the end. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I can't fold with taunt because it's too thick to do miniature folding with. Right. So I have some that I may never end up using (laughs) because I didn't realize how thick it was till after I bought it. Um, And just to be clear, I I just want to make sure people understand that when you said the duo tie, the duo, I believe, means each side of the same sheet of paper is a different color. Right. Is what duo means. Yeah. And like, so one example I love to fold with that, yes, is the duo tie is uh, Mark Kirschenbaum's Bumble because it's yellow and black and mm-hmm. and like it it just for some reason that model with that paper is it's just fantastic to me it has such a nice quality the texture gives it the extra quality of this very geometric and sort of flat model that comes to life because of the texture of the paper and then the contrast of the colors. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know Rob Snyder's lion is like that too, where you have the color change is what it's called when both sides of the paper show up and they're, the colors are appropriately placed in the design of the model itself. So yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. And then you offered paper size recommendations for quite a few of the models where starting with a larger than six inch or 15 centimeter square of the traditional origami paper known as kami truly matters for a more successful outcome. As an example, Beth Johnson's horse is recommended as a 35 centimeter square, which is approximately 14 by 14 inches. So I think it's safe to say people can try to fold things in any size because obviously I like folding smaller than usual, (laughs) but what would you say is a good average size for people who are doing not the small traditional models, because those six inch squares of paper work just fine for traditional models typically, but for these larger models, is there a best average size to go with? That's a really good question. I mean, I have to say, I thank James a lot for this because before meeting him, before meeting you, I always tended to go smaller. Like if for me, making a model tiny was like kind of like my proof of whether or not I could do it well, I don't know. Um, Or, you know, like if I had chosen 
the right properties of the paper in order to get it at the size I wanted it to and still have it look good. But when I met James, some of the things we talked about and some of the things he showed me were just the quality of a larger model and how the the simple beauty of something that is more like a toy or more like a statue that comes from these larger, thicker papers. And also that it's the learning curve when the paper is larger it is very helpful to be able to learn to create precise folds on like a slightly larger piece of paper. Stuff I've been doing lately, it's pretty interesting. I've been making models out of like 35 centimeter, 30 centimeter, 24 centimeter, 10 inches. I guess that would be like 14 inches. Just things that I know you can't see me, but I'm holding this Federico Scalabra elephant that I just made out of rhino hide in the Origami Worldwide book. And it's really cute when I hold it in my hands, when I make it out of 35 centimeter rhino hide, it's like a really solid model, but it's also a very simple model. I feel like for beginners and for people learning or wanting to learn little intricacies about origami or like how to make that fold, that proper crisp fold to lock and tuck the legs up so that they stay put. It's using a piece of larger mm. paper is a really beneficial way to get there. It is. And I find that when people use a larger sheet of paper, the end result usually is more elegant. Whereas when you fold in miniature, the end result is cute. <laughs> so to me, that's the big difference between the two different sizes. Yeah, like and especially with these specialty papers you're talking about, even if you can fold them in miniature, you have no appreciation for the texture of the paper itself because you don't see enough of the paper. And with the large sheets, the beauty, like that integrity of the paper really comes through as part of the model, which is important. But what you just said actually answers another question that I wanted to ask you about learning curves. Mm -hmm. And I think with your book or any instruction book, there's always a learning curve. And I don't want to use my special or expensive papers to learn on. So I'm curious, what is your favorite kind of paper to test new models with? Because I hear some people say tracing paper, some people say craft paper. What do you like to use? Wow. Okay. So my test papers, I do have some pretty big sheets of just regular copy paper or like white rolled paper. I would go to an art store and buy like just a big roll of that cheap white paper or brown paper that you would use to color on in you know elementary school or things like that and just right. kind of cut it to sizes that I want for to make the most out of my dollar for that stuff. Um, I also use leftover <laughs> scrap paper, like all around the house, there's just little paper cranes made out of receipts or gum wrappers or paid bills. I know <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> <Right>? yeah. um, <laughs> this, this, Don't give those away yeah, <laughs> with I, your account numbers on them. No, they stay in the house. <laughs> yeah. Most recently I bought a new picture frame, a large frame to frame this 24 by 36 inch puzzle my mom put together. You know, it's a cats of course you love cats and inside the frame it had this huge piece of paper in there and the paper was like really thick so it wasn't like really good paper and it was shiny it was like coated glossy paper but it was such a big piece of right. paper that I couldn't throw it away I was like I have to do something with it so I did I made a giant like paper heart out of it which it's kind of like a you know a nice thing to have to look around and have in the house junky paper but you couldn't resist the temptation of the giant piece of paper calling to you yes <laughs> that's great yeah and then about the book itself I know that this is a 
print on demand. I think that's also known as a self-published book. And because some of our listeners may also want to publish a book someday, though not necessarily an origami book, can you share with us, was that a difficult process to learn how to do that? Or was it not too challenging because you already possess such an impressive skill set? Yeah, that's a good question. Well, there are plenty of tools today that help people who don't have formal training in design or graphic, any of those types of things, there's a lot of tools which make it pretty easy. And so I would say it shouldn't stop anyone from trying if they aren't formally trained, but I definitely think my training helped me in getting it from just a book that is printed on demand to a book that is registered with an ISBN and is copywritten and can be sold in other countries. That part of the process does take time and energy that I think maybe not everyone wants to invest in. And that's okay, right? Like if the intention is to give it to family and friends, one of the best ones would be lulu.com, which is a book publisher. I mean, like a personal print-on-demand book publisher, but what they do so well is enable the small business or the um, individual to do that in a seamless way. And is that Lulu, L-O-U-L-O-U or L-U-L-U? Actually, it's L-U-L-U.com, yeah. And then you mentioned an ISBN. What is that exactly? Um, well, it's it uh, stands for International Standard Book Number, and that's kind of how a book can be found in the Dewey Decimal System, you know, registered and all of that stuff for I libraries see. and ordered by any bookseller who wants to publish this book. So it's very legit. Yeah. It's the legit way to, to do a book. Yeah, totes. I wanted to be like, <laughs> I wanted to be like, this is so real. Um, exactly. Not only is it tangible in my hands, but the, the, the U.S. government says this is real. And, and you know, it could, it's a real book. Right. Well, I think a lot of people have an idea in the back of their mind that someday they want to write a book about something. So I hope that that information is helpful. Yeah. Now, moving forward, will there be another convention this fall online? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I hope so. James and I are really working hard at a lot of things. And, and and one of those things is another convention. Like we will definitely absolutely do another convention. We have yet to determine our like schedule because that's sort of some of the the work we're doing right now to formalize all of the opportunities and the programming that Fold Space is intending to deliver. We currently work in the greater Cleveland and Ohio area to deliver origami educational programming. And so we're working to establish the other ways we can do that. And the convention will just kind of be another one of those ways. Sure. It'll happen when it happens. My last question is, I love that I just found out you're now offering professional development services to origami artists through Fold Space Origami Studio with James. And can you share with us at least a couple of the ways that you two will be doing that? Like what services are you offering? Yeah, I would love to share that. Um, it's a really exciting area that we've been working on. So like, it's like in the same vein of education. If we learn something that we find powerful and useful, we want to share it. So what we're doing with the professional development is we're helping to explain and teach the use of virtual tools and today's modern technology for other educators so that they're able to deliver educational programming to students, whether it's virtually or in person, but most effectively, it's like new virtual means. I would say some of it is in direct response to the pandemic and also just that the future will be virtual in a lot of ways. And 
we know that there's a large audience of similar people like artists and people who need to have some kind of education in how to create their system. And it translates very well to online, right? The origami, at least, maybe not every skill, but origami does. And and I can vouch for having been taught by both you and James how to fold particular models at that little January gathering that we attended, that you're both fantastic instructors. Um, Hey, thank you. That's true. My mom tells me, the only person I actually teach is my mom. With family, you're always like, oh, they're just saying that because they're my family. (laughs) You know, when they say, oh, you're so great at that. But you are, you're both very good. And I really had fun watching James take off on Facebook Live last year teaching origami classes, beginner level models, and was really taken with his teaching style because he's so personable. And on a future episode with him, I really want to get into because I actually contacted him and was talking to him about it. Like you're so natural on camera and I'm so the exact opposite. (laughs) How are you doing this? And so he told me a little bit of his back history that was really helpful. And, and encouraging that I, I could work harder and become better at what I was attempting to do myself at the same time. Yeah, I um, he's very inspiring, I gotta say. Like, I mean, James is the reason I'm here, right? Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, yeah, well, why we're both here, because yeah. we both met James. So James is the man, yeah. the other half of the uh, Midwest super duo. Yeah, <laughs> I dig it. And then you had mentioned the possibility of helping artists publish their own books in the future as well when we talk. That's right. Yeah. So I just actually will be talking with Mr. Rob Snyder this week. Might even be today. I have to check my calendar. I'm like one of these weird geeks that lives by the calendar. And so I don't, I just like the thing pops up and says, do this next. And I go, okay. So (laughs) um, I, yeah, we've been talking about producing collections of designs. If, you know, an artist approaches us, I'm happy to work with them to put together the book. You know, a lot of artists already have their diagrams. And so it's just a matter of putting it together, doing the photographing of the models and making a nice like design and layout that they're interested in publishing and then walking through the steps with them. I think that's the lightest touch kind of process that I could help someone with. And then um, otherwise there's always, I'm definitely interested in making all of the diagrams as well. I definitely enjoy the graphic design and the information design of diagramming. It's always been a passion. So sort of to get to do it around something that I am passionate about is it's almost like being a kid in a candy store. But that's amazing that you enjoy the process because most of the origami artists I talk to absolutely dread diagramming. Uh, so it's kind of like you're the person who enjoys ironing clothes. Absolutely. I am. <laughs> yes. You're the person who enjoys diagramming. I, it is so true. I literally do. Like, that's funny that you would just pick that up. And it's funny that you're mentioning Rob Snyder because you don't even know this about. Rob and I. I met Rob on Instagram probably in 2014 or 2015. I started following him and I absolutely love his models because there's a clean elegance about them. And you could go back on his Instagram feed and find at least a handful of times where I commented, when are you publishing a book? When are you publishing a book? And now I tease him that I've wanted him to publish a book for longer than I knew he existed Ah. is what it feels like. (laughs) 
So if he publishes one, I will be so happy and thrilled to be able to purchase a copy. Um, that would be fantastic. Yeah, yeah, me too. I definitely enjoy his models. I love to find artists that not only do I like their artwork, I like folding it and like the combination of the two is so pleasing. I feel like maybe that's probably what origami artists maybe strived for. I, I, I'm not sure, but there seems... It seems like, you know, you kind of know it when you find it. Well, this is great. I have to design a few more original designs and then come to you and um, hire you to do that for me because I already have a title for a book. Like I already bought the URL several years ago and it's just sitting there waiting for me I would, to make the time to do it. I would love to. Um, I would love to. Well, I appreciate your time today, Sarah. I mean, it's been really fun chatting with you. I wish it could have been in person, you know, but not for the pandemic because I could have taken a road trip to come hang out with you. Yeah, I'll show you the garden next time. <laughs> oh, I'd love that. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for your valuable insights and for sharing your story and all of this information with us today. Oh, Stacy, thank you. It's, it's been a pleasure. I appreciate it. Thank you. I'd like to encourage you to go take a peek at Sarah's Instagram at Hey, it's Origami. Her folding is exquisite. She sent me some photos of the models and paper she talked about in the interview, and I've included them in the show notes on Patreon. If you'd like to learn more about Sarah's nonlinear path to working in the origami industry, I'm also including a link to her profile on LinkedIn in the show notes. If you're interested in the Foldspace Origami Convention 2020 Model Diagrams book, it is now available to purchase online. I'll post a link to where you can order a copy at foldspacestudio.com in the show notes on Patreon, as well as the link to Crowdcast, where you could still buy in to the actual video classes that Sarah mentioned during the interview. And I think I'll do a giveaway of the book sponsored by the Origami Show podcast, but I'm not sure how I'll do that yet. I probably should have planned that out before I recorded this. But once I decide how to host the giveaway, I'll post the details in the Patreon show notes and on my Instagram page. And then I'll also share how to enter on next week's podcast episode. So how's that for a teaser to get you to come back? Uh, there won't be any mandatory tagging or sharing to enter involved. You can if you want, and I'd appreciate it. But I'd rather just give a copy to somebody who would like one rather than make you all jump through hoops to enter. So what is going on in the world of origami this week? I saw on both Instagram and Facebook that Paper Tree, the origami store in San Francisco, California's Japantown, is promoting its Hearts for Love campaign to take a stand against this wave of AAPI hate that's been sweeping the country for the past year. To quote their website, owner Linda Mihara says, there is a crisis today. Many Asians, including our most vulnerable, have become the target of hate crimes. Join me in folding 1,000 origami hearts as a show of support to the families of those victims who lost their loved ones. Let's counter hate with love, end quote. It's no surprise they quickly met their goal and have now expanded it to take the initiative worldwide. On the website, she offers a template of how to fold an origami heart with instructions about the size and colors of the papers. You can then mail them in 
to her shop window in San Francisco to be displayed as part of the collection. Or she suggests simply hanging it and displaying it in your own window in solidarity. The URL to find more information is gofoldme.com. And I'll also include that in the show notes for you. My hope is you'll always find insights to take away from every episode of The Origami Show. My takeaways from Sarah are that you can never have too many skills. It's great she's been able to leverage the things she learned in the world of high tech to help create a new business opportunity with James at Fold Space Origami Studio. That's a leap for both of them, for James to shift from working solo after being on his own and for Sarah to be able to reach out and create this new opportunity from states away takes some courage. And I think they're both great examples of being willing to dare to step outside of their comfort zones to form this new and very exciting partnership. Again, I'd like to thank our show sponsor, Ito Company, and from the Tiny Gummy Studio in Greenville, Michigan, this is Stacy Tamaki. Thank you so much for joining me again. I hope you'll subscribe and come back for the next episode of The Origami Show. Mm-hmm.